From Real Ghost Stories Online.com. Welcome to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. And uh, yeah, today, some calls, some stories. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, Ellis Island. We've educated ourselves a little bit further on the topic uh, from our, our last uh, episode. Uh, so we'll get to that in a few minutes. want to remind you that uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher or YouTube, a little bit of support, a little bit of love would be greatly appreciated. Some stars, some reviews. Uh, that all helps our show grow and helps us bring you a better show every single week here at Real Ghost Stories Online because uh, it lets other people know about us. That, uh, in turn, gets us more stories and, like I said, gets you a better show uh, every week. So show some love. We really do appreciate that. Share the show uh, as well. If you have a Real Ghost Story, you can write into us at realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button and we may read it back on a future episode or you can call us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week on the newly improved toll-free line that was for the longest time only giving you two minutes to tell your story and people were calling back like five times in a row and I gotta say bravo and thank you for the dedication and dealing with that uh, but now you can do it uh, for about seven minutes or so you got a full amount of time to tell your story at 855-853-4802 855-853-4802 so please give us a call and share your real ghost story with us through one of those means. So, Ellis Island. We were talking about uh, that on uh, the show uh, the other day, and a place that you visited, and you said you just thought it was really not a, a positive experience. No, not at all. Um, I was 15 at the time, and we went, and we were going out to see the Statue of Liberty, and anybody who's visited New York City knows you can take the boat to see Statue of Liberty, and then at least at that time, you could take another boat from the Statue of Liberty out to Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. And my mom and I, my little brother, got on the wrong boat, went to Ellis Island right before, it was like the last tour before it closed for the day, when we meant to get back to Battery Park. Yeah. So that's how we ended up there. We really didn't choose it. So you were not choosing to go to Ellis Island. You went there anyhow, and you just had very negative vibes and just sad. And... overwhelming sadness, negative yeah. vibes. Um, you know, I did not get the happy feeling that I thought I would from people coming to America. Sure. It was just really the one of the, it's, it's the creepiest place I've ever been. Which is interesting because... If you don't know the history of Ellis Island, which I did not, um, you think Ellis Island. You think, oh, they're coming over to the New World. This is going to be awesome. No, uh, there's a lot of people that died there on that island um, because of disease and whatnot where they're getting off the boat. It was kind of what I suspected the other day where I remember I'd heard bits and pieces where if you got off the boat, you had some sort of disease. They detained you, essentially. Right, And said, okay, now you're going to go live over here, and if you get better... You can skedaddle on out there to the States. If not, you're probably going to die on this island. Right. And about, what, 3,000-some people? I believe so. And died on the island. Right. And, you know, I knew what Ellis Island was, but I didn't know the dark side of it. Sure. So when they don't I, really publicize that. No. It's like, hey, come visit Ellis Island, Statue There's of Liberty. like a blurb in your, you know, your social studies book in school, and then... 
they don't tell you these things. So abandoned leper camps. Yeah, you know. it really it freaked me out once we started learning these things. Like, okay, well that explains those feelings. So we did a little research on Ellis Island itself, and this is an article I'm going to read. This is out of the New York Times from 2001. Uh, the Ellis Island Immigration Museum recalls a time when the deserted patch of earth in New York Harbor was teeming with immigrants waiting to be processed and sent ashore as Americans. Two million people who visit the museum each year spend an hour or so among the exhibits and then leave unaware that they have just seen one of 33 buildings that make up the sprawling and largely forgotten Ellis Island complex. There are a lot more buildings on the island other than just the one that you see. The hospital buildings on the south side of the island were fenced off long ago to protect tourists from falling bricks, collapsing timbers, and passageways that were knee-deep and dangerous debris. I mean, this is like an urban explorer's playground. Right. Because it's just so dark and it's, it's it's destroyed mental and 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 not just mental hospitals it's it's physical it's hospitals hospitals it is and it's that classic new york gothic yeah. architecture you know and they're just decrepit and falling yes. apart there's another a documentary called cropsy which is about another area in new york city of an island where there's also abandoned hospitals on it and that's if you're into ghosts if you're into urban exploration and things of that nature it sounds very similar to this this sort of a thing um, continuing on with that article and the story of, of Ellis Island as we educate ourselves on this today. Um, uh, temporary repairs have gotten underway, but until permanent restoration is undertaken, these buildings and uh, stories uh, that the buildings have to tell are in danger of being swept away. The most startling part of the world inside the fence is the psychiatric hospital to which the government officials dispatched immigrants who were or at least appeared to be mentally ill. And this is, keep in mind, no, 19 or 18-something, right? Right, I believe so. So, appearing to be mentally ill, I'm thinking you're on a boat Mm -hmm. for a couple weeks? No, you're you're closer to a month back in those days. Okay, about a month going across the ocean. Depending on where you're coming from. Through God knows what, Mm -hmm. packed with all these other people, Probably not a lot of times in the best of conditions. I'm thinking anyone can look a little crazy coming out of that that boat or a little mentally ill. Right. Well, I mean, think of it this way. Everybody's seen the movie Titanic and the third class. That was having it good if you got on a ship like that. Yeah. So uh, there's probably a lot of people that were sent to this hospital that really didn't need to be. Sure. The sun porch of what was called the psychopathic ward is encrusted by a rusting wrought iron cage right out of a prison camp. The rooms are still eerily fitted with rusting beds and have cages over the doors, windows, and even over the electric fans that were used to cool the place. The 29 buildings in the complex are mainly hospitals where new immigrants were sent to give birth or be treated for curable illnesses or die of the illness they had that had no cure. The deaths and sicknesses are hardly surprising given the many immigrants arrived here after weeks at sea in steerage. Uh, the cramped, windowless bottom section of a ship, the typical accommodation was a space with several hundred beds, no more than two feet wide, crammed so tightly together that there was barely room for the passengers to stand. With no ventilation and sanitary facilities inadequate, the air quickly became foul and stayed that way. A presidential report said in 1911, the filth in steerage compartments made it a marvel that human flesh could endure it. 
Despite the deterioration, the hospital complex remains a handsome example of the golden age of public architecture, with copper gutters, skylights clad in terracotta, and interior doorways trimmed with marble. Can you imagine if, if hospitals like <laughs> were built like that today? Right, right. It's like a palace. Um, walking these ghostly hallways from the nursery to the operating room to the morgue, one feels vividly the terror of the immigrant people who had traveled thousands of miles in hardship only to be confined here for weeks while the government decided whether they would be sent back or allowed in. After, after decades of neglect, stabilizing repairs will keep the building standing while the National Park Service develops a restoration plan and the non-for-profit group Save Ellis Island raises the money to fence it. With the cl- cost estimating to be at $300 million, that effort has a long way to go, but the story of immigration at its core of the American identity and the buildings that help tell its chapter should not be lost. That's from the New York Times in 2001. Yeah, that was actually early September 2001, and sure. obviously New York's focus shifted shortly after that. I don't believe a whole lot has been done to that part of the island. I have seen some specials here and there where they go into that part that have been a little mm-hmm. more recent, but to my knowledge, there's not a whole lot that's been done to that part of the island. If I'm wrong, if someone knows more about Ellis Island, uh, feel free to write in Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com to follow up with us on that. I'd love to hear more that I mean that right there Ellis Island could be a whole show um, of ghost stories yeah I'd love to hear from somebody else who went and had a similar experience I I think one of the ghost shows on TV one of the 400 that are on did one where they camped out in there or or something it's so hard to remember which one is what but um, yeah if anyone is an expert on the Ellis Island uh, please uh, please let us know if you have a real ghost story uh, pertaining to really anything uh, give us a buzz the phone number to call in and tell us your real ghost story Uh, plenty of time to do it we've extended the uh, the time on the uh, recording device Uh, The number is 855-853-4802-855-853-4802. Call in and share your real ghost story with us. We would absolutely love to hear it. Speaking of which, let's go to a real ghost story caller. Hello. So this story happened about seven years ago. I'm in Denver, Colorado, and there's this place called Third Bridge over here. Now, I'm not sure what the story behind this place is. I've heard things from... It was built on top of a Native American burial ground down to there. There's an abandoned mental hospital half a mile down the road that at one point it was used by the KKK at the torture house. Anyways, I went up there one time with one of my buddies and I drive a Honda Civic and I couldn't get off road. So he called his cousin who came by with a pickup truck and some more friends. So we all jumped in the pickup truck and we started to head under the bridge. As we're heading under the bridge, everything's normal. We're all talking and, you know, just hanging out, teenagers. And all of a sudden, from one second to the next, the windows fog up. Like, it didn't even creep up on us. So I'm trying to see outside of the windows, and the people in the front seat are freaking out, saying that they're seeing shadows, but nothing is making these shadows. So the starts the truck and drives off and as he's going out like right next to the bridge the truck stops you can hear the tires rolling but the truck isn't moving so we figured we got stuck somewhere and when we get out it's on a little cement block that was right there so it should have just been able to drive 
So as we get back to my car, my car, I left it parked right in front of a gate. Four people get out of the truck, including myself, and we all go to my car. And before I can get the doors open, five feet in front of us, we hear this loud screeching, I don't know, just like a torturous scream. So I hurry up and open the car. We all jumped in, I turned it on and we got out of there. And we had this meetup spot at this Wendy's. So I race to the Wendy's as fast as I can. And when I get to the Wendy's about 15 minutes later, these guys show up in the truck saying, why'd you leave? You didn't hear that scream? They looked at me and they're like, scream. And well, never went back, I'll tell you that. (laughs) All right, well, see you, man. Great show. Did he get the chili at Wendy's? That's my question. I don't know. I don't know. They make a heck of a baked potato, too. The chili is is what you really need to get at Wendy's. It's actually that's kind of the sky. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, I wonder. I don't I have no idea what that would be. That that's one of those cases where it's it's interesting to to contemplate if if one group didn't hear the scream, the other group did hear the scream. This is a thought too on that 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 level of. Certain people are able to pick up certain things, others are not. Or is it that the entities can choose to who they want to appear to? That's what I think. I think they can pick who they're going to mess with any day. They can, so there can be like 10 people in a room and it can say, I'm going to be seen to these five people and these other five are not, regardless of how sensitive one or the others are. I think it's like what we've talked about before. They can pick out who would probably be the best target for them to get their message across. That's interesting. Do you buy into any of the uh, ghost apps and uh, there's there's devices out there now that, that go well beyond the ghost radar on the iPhone or the Android. But from what I've I've, I've talked to some some ghost experts, if you will, some uh, some literally ghost hunters who go out there and do it um, on previous episodes, uh, and they say that you know the apps on the iPhone and Android are just as good as some of these devices that they've been buying uh, before the apps came out that translate the energy into words. I would imagine so, because, I mean, we've known that ghosts can mess with, uh, you know, electrical devices Mm -hmm. for a long time. So I would imagine an iPhone would make it that much easier for them, too. But when you mess with the ghost radar sometimes, that freaks me out. I hate that. So to think that there might be something even better out there, that scares me. I've never gotten it to be super, you know... Anything that's ever come across it really doesn't seem to pertain to anything no. like around us. It's it was a, just like it's just random electronics and it'll like randomly say rocking chair or something yeah. like that. But I have had, um, or I personally haven't, but I've witnessed um, a friend of mine um, who was part of a ghost investigation in Wisconsin, um, and they're actually putting together a documentary called Haunted State, and that's a whole other episode. We'll talk to them about that sometime. Um, where I, the scene I saw, they were in a bar. And they were talking or trying to communicate with a, a spirit, and they had some device like that out. And they were asking it to uh, turn on certain lights. They had something hooked up where the energy could manipulate different colored lights. Okay. And they asked the entity to turn on, like, the blue light. Mm-hmm. Through a device similar to this, instead of speaking, it would manipulate the light. And it would turn the light on. Okay. And it would, they would ask it, and it would go to the right light. And it was creepy. Yeah. I mean, and that to me is, is almost 
kind of in that same realm of you're asking it to communicate and do something and you're providing the conduit for it to work essentially and, and see to me that would just confirm my worst fear is that something is there trying to communicate with me but that's 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 what you want if you're out there doing no, it, isn't it? That's what you want. I'm on the other side of the whole ghost thing, whereas I believe in it, but it scares me. You you want to do things. You want to talk to them. You want to see what it's like over there. I do to a certain extent, you know, as long as it's not something demonic. And that's where I draw the line, and that's where I get kind of freaked out, where it's like this is beyond anything I want to, to hear about. I saw somebody the other night on Facebook asked, uh, does anyone know about a certain um, uh, evil spirit name? And I don't want to throw it out there. But um, it was one that has been talked about on the show in the past. Okay. Um, and it's it's one of those that does commonly show up when people are messing around with Ouija boards. And I've heard stories. We've had letters involving that, uh, that name. Um, and it's not, I mean, that's where it's like, I don't even want to attempt to communicate. And and the scary thing is, I think most of the times you don't know what you are communicating with. Exactly. And I think the phones and the electronic devices, they're just a high tech version of a Ouija board now. It almost, you got a good point. It almost can be like that. And and that's what I'm wondering when we're going around with, or not we are, because we don't do it, but when folks are going around doing investigations Isn't it like they're walking around with a Ouija board? Is there a difference between asking the Ouija board and trying to communicate with these spirits compared to the ghost radar? I mean, I I don't think so, because you're asking them and then they communicate with you. I would love some ghost hunters to weigh in on that. If if you're out there and you're a ghost hunter, write in. Tell me, what what is the difference or view the difference on that? Because there's a lot of ghost hunters who are adamantly against using a Ouija board. Just they won't do it. They don't want to go down that road. They know it can bring in bad entities. But aren't you doing the exact same thing? Yeah, I mean, with these other devices, I would still think you could get something demonic coming through electronically. I would love to hear the perspective. I mean, maybe we're overlooking something. Maybe there's some other realm here we're not thinking about. But you got a good point. It is to me, I think almost almost the same sort of a. Same sort of a thing. Uh, let's go to a ghost story letter that was written into us here at uh, Real Ghost Stories Online. This letter is uh, coming to us from Brian. And uh, Brian writes in, uh, I checked out a book on CD uh, to listen to at nights for a nightly relaxation before bed. The book on CD was a World War II Uh, Europe at war. That night, I played the CD. My wife and I were laying there listening and soon became tired enough to fall asleep, so I paused the book on CD. It stopped at 25, the last chapter, and 25 minutes and some odd seconds. Just about ready to doze off, there was an old woman's voice that came over the speaker saying, Look on the other side, the other side the other side it repeated three times in a row then stopped now the whole time this was on pause not once did it come unpaused it scared me enough that i turned my cd player off for the rest of the night the next morning i turned on my cd player and went back to the last chapter 25 and 25 minutes and that odd second the narrator was a man not an old woman who was on the speaker the night before saying look on the other side the other side 
It sent chills down my spine. I returned the audiobook that day. Was it the audiobook or was it something communicating through the CD player? It, it, it sounds like it was something communicating through the CD player, like almost like the audiobook had absolutely nothing to do with it. Right. I mean, I, I guess, I don't know if he's thinking there's a connection with World War II, but that's that's interesting. Well, maybe if they haven't had any activity before, the audiobook's the only thing that they've brought in, the only variable there. Yeah. Here's something to think about if if they were hearing that, and I'm, I, I don't try to debunk the stories that we get in. I'm just trying to give my perspective on them. And my perspective is this, having worked in radio for 18 years and being in studios, CB radios, uh, if you have, and they're, they're less and less common these days, but if you have someone who's using it very close to almost any other electronic device, it can bleed through your speakers. So if there happened to have been a person nearby, a woman on the CB radio saying, look on the other side, look on the other side, the other side, it could have been simply that. You know, my brother and I, we had a pair of those giant walkie-talkies from the 70s that yeah. they were my mom's when she was a kid. And we would play with those, and those would do that sometimes if yeah. you were close enough to something. I've heard them bleed through on unplugged radios. Oh. Um, which is, is, there's nothing weird or paranormal about it because they still hold a bit of a charge. You unplug a stereo, there's still a bit of a charge in it. Enough usually to have... If that's going to be picked up through its receiver, mm-hmm. it'll usually pick up and, and give you a little bit of audio, you know, about three, four seconds worth. And then the energy essentially peters out of the radio and it's done. But I have heard that happen before, too, even on an unplugged device. So that would scare me if it were unplugged. It is kind of creepy. Me not knowing that they hold the charge. like Sure. That. I mean, if it continued to play for <laughs> more than three seconds, right. there's something else going on sure. here. But I don't know that that one. I don't know, it, it could have been the other. It could be something very bizarre. And very I don't know. Electrical stuff seems to stir them up. It, that's yeah. That's that's true. The phone number to call if you have a real ghost story is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. We'd love to hear your real ghost story. And if you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, please give us some stars and give us a review on there. We would greatly appreciate that. That helps us uh, rank better. That helps other folks find the show, which in turn gets us more great real ghost stories to share with you every single week here on the show. Let's go to a caller. Hello. Okay, so a couple of years ago... I was living by myself, and I was working the night shift, getting home around 2 in the morning. Well, one morning I came home, and it was always pretty routine. You know, I opened the door, and I had this counter right in front of the front door on the kitchen. And I would put my keys, my iPod, and my headphones there. And one night I went there, and I put my iPod and headphones there, and I went to bed. I started to feel uneasy, you know, like somebody was in the apartment. So I went and I gave a quick look around. So as I'm looking around, the headphones are no longer on the counter. They're dangling from the counter and they're kind of swinging by like somebody just walked right past them and the music is on. So I go to my iPod, I turn it off. And as I turn around and I go back to my room, I just feel this cold, eerie feeling, you know, like something's right in its piss. So I try to ignore it. I go back to bed. The next night, same thing, 
But this time it happened with my iPad. It started blaring music out of nowhere. So I go, I turn it off, same thing. You know, I started feeling that cold, eerie feeling like something was about to happen. Well, I ignored it and I went to bed. And full night, and the same thing happens again, but with my laptop. It's kind of strange. So I'm thinking to myself, well, something's obviously getting mad that I'm turning off its music. So instead, what I did is I turned it all the way down, like to the to the first bar, and everything was cool. Never happened again. Just thought it'd be a cool story. See ya. The ghost that likes the iPod and the iTunes. I think they're curious about technology in general, the new things that are out there. I suppose. I mean, if if you're if you like music in life, you probably would enjoy listening to some. In the afterlife, if you're still hanging around. I guess so. And if you found a new and easy way to play. Because you got to think, in the past, if you're a ghost, you know, you, you would physically have to either manipulate getting a record started or a tape or something. Or a Victrola. Which would be a lot of work for a ghost. Sure. Now, you got iTunes. Mm-hmm. You got Pandora. They can get in there. As a spirit, that's, oh, great. You just kind of manipulate a little electricity, bam, you got your own custom playlist. What would a Pandora <laughs> playlist look like for a ghost? I wonder if, if you would want, if you'd be curious about current music, you know, if you're a ghost, you know, really getting down to like Jay-Z or something, or if you're into whatever you were into in your, in your life. I would think you'd probably enjoy what you had in your life, but you know... To each their own. There may be some really progressive ghosts. <laughs> there could be. You never really know. The phone number to call is 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. With your real ghost stories. Uh, go to another letter here that was written into us. This next letter is coming to us from Haley. Haley writes in, Me and my husband had just bought a house in a quiet neighborhood. It was a regular house in all respects except for one downstairs there was something there that shouldn't be in one room we had found arcane symbols that we figured were from a devil worshippers ceremony this particular room was about 10 degrees colder than the rest of the house not because it was not used as much as the rest of the house because there was an eerie something there sometimes i felt as if something was watching me in that particular room but never did see figures to confirm my feeling As always happens in pretend movies. Finally, my husband blessed the house. After that, the room that was so eerie had no coldness associated with it. It It's just a normal room where our family puts our dogs when they rest. That's uh, something I'm surprised the home inspector didn't uh, didn't catch. Yeah. Before going into that. You got some satanic symbols on that room down there. You want to ask the current owner about that. You might have an HVAC problem because there's like 10 degrees difference. Yeah, I would think there'd be a little little bit of an issue there. But here's another thought, and this is something I wonder about. You you hear stories and and the term thrown around there quite often, like, oh, devil worshippers are over here. When you find the symbols and this and that. Who are these devil worshippers? Are these common folks that, that we just don't know? Is this like a kind of a deep, dark secret? You know? I think you'd be surprised. I think Seriously? You think there's a lot of devil worshippers out there that we don't know about? I think there are people that are walking around that have different beliefs, and you would be surprised. I think um, 
Well, I, I can tell you there's somebody you know that you don't know that about. That worships the devil? They are Wiccans. Well, I know. Wiccans are different. You think that's different? It's very different. Yeah. I think there, that's... There, there's, there's like, there's satanic rituals, mm-hmm. and there's... I had a co-host on a morning show that was a Wiccan. Okay. And I, I know who you're talking about. Um, but um, the, the whole Wiccan thing... A lot of that. I mean, there's various types of that, you know, just as there's various types of almost any religion. But a lot of of the Wiccan is more so worshiping the earth, worship and celebrating things of that nature. There are, of course, other areas that you can get into that are pretty dark. And see, I think the person I'm referring to, they have some questionable activities and that's brought some things into their home. Okay. And that's why I I made that leap. Okay. Oh, I see. I see. You know, the co-host I had uh, also lived in a haunted schoolhouse, and she always talked about that, so I don't know what else she was doing. But from what I understood of what she had shared with me was that it was more of, you know, the earth and, you know, the elements, essentially. Sure. And, and celebrating those things and respecting those things. And I'm totally cool with that. I can that's, understand that. It's, it's when you get into the whole, and I guess, you know, what comes to my mind is is like... You know, your movie-type devil worshippers where they're mm-hmm. wearing the hoods and it's dark and they're sacrificing pigs and kittens and things of that nature. Yeah. Is that common? You know, are people doing that? I don't think so. And if they are, they're definitely keeping it quiet. It's interesting. I just, I wonder, I wonder how much of that does exist out there that, that is just kept very quiet. Yeah. Let's go to uh, another letter. This one comes to us from Kristen. The phone number is, When I was somewhere between six or eight, I was deathly afraid of the dark. My parents placed a nightlight behind my dresser so I could sleep. The dim light cast faint shadows of my toys onto the ceiling. I felt comforted that my nightlight would keep the monsters and ghosts away. One night I woke up and was startled to see a shadow I've never seen before in the corner of my room. It looked like a man should have been standing there, but all I could see was his shadow. The silhouette clearly had a head, shoulders, and body. Terrified, I threw my sheets over my head and curled up into a ball. It was uncomfortably hot and stuffy under my covers, but I was too afraid to look out. Somehow, I fell back asleep. When I woke up, I thought it must have been a nightmare, but the shadow man returned the next night to the same corner. I spent that night hiding under my covers, anxiously waiting for daylight to come. I felt as if the shadow man was staring at me. When the morning came, I boxed up my toys on my dresser and disassembled the coat stand. I was determined to find a reasonable explanation for my ghost. That night, the shadow man appeared, but in another corner. For weeks, the shadow man would be gone some nights and appear another. The shadow never moved when I was looking, but it would show up in different corners of the room. I heard that ghosts, witches, and demons would sometimes sit on people at night. I started to make a habit of sleeping curled up in the fetal position. It was uncomfortable, but I believed if I made myself smaller, the ghost would not harm me. One day I couldn't take it anymore and pushed my heavy dresser aside to pull out the night light. I didn't see the shadow man that night or ever again. Sometimes my parents thought the nightlight fell out of the socket and would plug it back in, but I would be quick to rip it out. Almost 20 years later, I still can't sleep in a room with a light. I'd rather sleep in the darkness than to see what may be lurking in it. Ghosts 
that uh, like the light. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I would. Uh, that kind of goes against all principles and beliefs of of you know the night light, if you will. Right. You have it to keep it, them away. Comforting, you know, and not be afraid. But I suppose, I mean, if it is. You know, a strong enough entity that you have, you know, people who are seeing things are not necessarily always in dark rooms. So if there's something infesting that house, I suppose probably a nightlight's not going to do a whole hell of a lot either. Did you sleep with a nightlight? When I was a kid? Uh, no, but there was one in the bathroom. Yeah. It was about it, and I knew how to get there because it was just right around the corner. Did you have a nightlight? When I was really little, no. There were two windows in my room, and they had just enough, you know, natural light coming in from the moon or whatever. That- sure. I didn't need one. I never really had too many episodes, I think, as a kid where I was freaking out um, from from a bad dream or, or seeing things. I remember one night where I was I was kind of freaking out. I had a nightmare, and then everything in my room, the shadows kind of looked like something else. I had, like, a, a pendant that looked like a you know witch's nose or something yeah. that was kind of hanging out. It was actually on that shelf that's up there in the studio, <laughs> and it was hanging off the edge. Um but that was that was you know that was about it. I never felt like there was a need for for a nightlight. But that's interesting. That I mean that would almost make me think that there's something going on in that house that's pretty dark that can overcome whatever the light is. If you have a real ghost story, write into us realghoststoriesonline dot com. Tell click on the tell us your ghost story button, or you can call in your ghost story twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, absolutely toll free. The phone number is eight five five eight five three. 4802. Next letter we have comes to us from Jane. Jane writes in, A month and a half after we, my husband, son, and I first moved into this house nine years ago, I saw a shadow figure in broad daylight in the doorway to our downstairs bedroom. I had been briefly chatting with my husband in the kitchen and was heading back upstairs to where my mother-in-law was watching a movie. Our two dogs were outside and were either scratching at the door or barking to come inside, so I quickly turned around to the living room to head back through the dining room. I was passing by the hallway to the bedrooms. In the corner of my left eye, I saw a figure step into the doorway, exiting my bedroom, and then quickly dart back into the room, almost as if they had forgotten something in the room or were trying not to be seen. The dogs were fussing enough that I was too rushed to stop and see who that was. But it was my mother-in-law only because I had just left my husband, who was in the kitchen, and the only other person in the house at the time was my mother-in-law. She was visiting us at the time. However, I had left the room she was in upstairs just a few minutes before. At the time, she had a bad infection in her leg and could barely make it up or down our staircase. I was a bit confused, but determined to get the dogs inside before they disturbed our neighbors. I was heading to the back door to let our two dogs inside. I thought to myself, how on earth did she get downstairs so fast? I remember I wanted to tell her something, so I headed back to the bedroom. Just as I was about to enter it, I heard my husband talking to his mom. My husband was at the base of the steps, and my mother-in-law was gingerly making her way down the steps. I know I saw a full-body figure moments before, and it wasn't my husband or my mother-in-law. Our son was three years old at the time. Who or what was it, I will never know. I haven't seen it since, but there have been a number of strange or other experiences in this house. Before I moved into the house, my husband was here for about a week alone. 
We were relocating from out of state for his new job. He swore that he heard strange noises and that something was wrong with his house. I told him it was just that he wasn't used to the sounds in this unfamiliar home. Funny thing, he was suggesting we had a ghost and he isn't one to believe in ghosts. I am. He makes fun of me and my love of ghost stories and how they're all nonsense. I've experienced being touched on several occasions in the house. It has always occurred in my downstairs bedroom. The very same one I saw the figure in. When I'm lying in my bed, either going to sleep or just walking, it started a number of years ago. The first time it happened, I was lying in bed in the twilight state between waking and sleeping. When oddly enough, I felt the sensation of someone pressing one finger into my solar plexus. I opened my eyes expecting my husband to be standing next to the bed, but no one was in the room but me. The pressure of the touch was firm enough that there was no mistaking what happened. It was confusing and odd, but not at the last time it would happen. It has always been the sensation of one finger either brushing lightly against my skin or a gentle poke. Every time this has occurred, I expect to see someone standing next to my bed trying to get my attention. I usually swipe my arm through the air expecting to swat away at whomever is disturbing my sleep. Each time I'm taken aback that there's no one there. I've never experienced this anywhere or any time else in my life than what I've, where I've lived here. The last time it occurred it was about three years ago. I was resting on my side and felt two fingers this time. It was a sensation of someone walking their fingers one, two, three down my hip. I swung my arm back in the annoyance, sure that my son was messing with me, and like all the times before, no one was there. Once, I was on my back and I felt a distinct poke come through the mattress below. It was clearly not someone I could take a swing at. I haven't had any negative or fearful reaction to the experiences other than being unnerved and confused. Eventually, I began to associate the experiences with times that my closet door was left open. I started to habitually close the closet door, and that seemingly stopped the experiences, I hope. Tony, thank you for all your hard work, and a big thank you to all your listeners who contribute to their stories and experiences. Thank you very much for uh, for writing in that uh, that real ghost story. Have you ever been touched by something? <sighs> I don't think so. I don't think I've ever felt... I felt something move through me once. Does that count? That counts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was. Um, I I know I've shared this on on a previous episode, but if you're a new listener and haven't gone through our archive yet, um, the story is I was in uh, my first apartment in Wausau, Wisconsin, and my a little backstory: my bed, uh, my wall for my bed was against, backed up to essentially there's a stairwell on the other side that people had notoriously said they've seen a woman floating up and down the stairwell with carrying a baby. This is a very old part of the city of Wausau, Wisconsin. And my apartment was in that building right adjacent to it, back wall behind that is that stairwell. Um, And I learned this all after the fact. Okay, Um, I was going to ask. I didn't know any of this. (laughs) I began investigating afterwards. Um, So... I had been in there, I don't know, probably three, four months. And I was just uh, in bed one night, and, and I woke up, and and I sat up, and I something had woken me. I didn't know what it was. And I woke up. I was able to sit up, 
And that's it. I couldn't move my body at all. There was nothing else. I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't do anything. But all I could say, describe this as is it felt like a cloud moved directly through me. It kind of like almost shook me. Like you were almost having a seizure. And I was almost thinking, oh my God, am I having a seizure? Yeah. Um, but, and I have no history of seizures whatsoever. Um, never have had one ever since or any experience like this. Um, and it freaked the hell out of me. And so much so, I did not open my eyes. I, I was like just paralyzed with fear once it stopped. Once I w- once I regained control, I just went under the covers like a child, and eventually fell asleep. Freaked out. Did you ever see anything? I after? never did see anything. Um, I I called a paranormal investigator shortly thereafter and had uh, dinner with him. And um, what was explained to me was that it. It could have been, and I always get these terms confused, is it sleep paralysis or is it sleep? It's something of that nature. And somebody's always saying, it's not sleep paralysis, it's this. Um, It's where you wake up and you're in a dream state. If you were to open your eyes, typically I guess what people see is, and a letter mentioned this earlier, uh, people tend to see an old woman sitting on you or a witch uh, or some sort of really just dark type entity. And this is apparently what is very common and the human mind produces for whatever reason. And it's sitting on you and it freaks the living hell out of you. Um, And there can also be other things that you're seeing in your peripheral vision um, as essentially things floating around your room. But what's really going on is your mind is dreaming and projecting these things out there and you're seeing what's going on out in front of you. It's almost like a hologram. Okay, okay. Where these things are really not there. There's no energy that's in your room. There's not a ghost out there. It's your mind projecting onto this canvas that is what your eyes are seeing. That is so interesting, though, that so many people have the same projection. Yeah, that's what I don't understand about it. But I didn't open my eyes, so I can't say what it would even was or what I saw. Um, all I can say is that it felt like something floated through me, and I lived on a block that has been documented as one of the most haunted blocks in the entire state of Wisconsin. Okay. It is just every single building has ghost stories. These are like 1800 buildings. Sure. And it's just it's a mess of ghosts <laughs> that are <laughs> in this block. And I didn't realize any of this till till after the fact. Have you? Uh, yes, actually. And you were there. Um, but we were visiting a, a winery. Yes. And I was actually filming for you. You were you were interviewing the, what was it, the owner or the manager? Yeah, this was in Algoma, Wisconsin, at the Algoma Winery. Um, and, and again, in Wisconsin, a very haunted state. Yes. Um, and this was, the, I think it was, was it an old schoolhouse originally? I think it was. Um, I know... That it had been a winery for a very long time. Yeah. And um, I'm not, I think it was a schoolhouse. I'm not real sure what the history was behind yeah. it. But the entity, the person, I forgot what his name was, but he had a name. He was a regular yeah. showing up. But anyway, so we heard the ghost stories and everything. He was interviewing the, the owner and I was filming. And at the time we were with his parents and our three-year-old daughter was with us. And, you know, a three-year-old, if you don't keep your eye on them, you never know what they're into. And I started feeling something pushing behind me about, you know, at the height of my behind. 
And I told her, I said, quit that. And I turned around and she was not there. She was actually across the room with her grandmother. Mm-hmm. And okay, so that was kind of weird. And I told them what happened when we, we left the winery. But when you went back to edit the video, yeah. that's when we had interference was when that happened. Yeah, right at the time that, that we were, that was happening to you. Uh, the the video it was a digital and it, it got kind of garbled uh, out of nowhere just right in that spot and then the rest of the video was fine everything before it was fine it was just right at that moment that that happened and I I wasn't aware that it was even happening to you at that moment no I didn't want to say anything until sure. we left because I didn't want to scare our daughter and yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be as professional as possible but they had told us that this yeah. spirit he liked to play tricks on women he liked um, pushing their purses off the shelf in the women's bathroom and doing things so it makes complete sense that he would want to you know cop a feel right there yeah Algoma Winery. Is it Von Steel? That's Yes. Yeah, Von Steel Winery in, in Algoma. If you're ever there, uh, it's it's a really cool place. Good wine, neat place, neat story. They'll tell you the ghost stories. You can walk around the place. I think they even do ghost tours I think sometimes they do. as well. It's worth stopping. It's great. Yeah, and it's it's right on uh, Lake Michigan, right as you're uh, heading up to like the Door County uh, area. I know we have some Wisconsin listeners that have, have written in before saying, hey, great to hear someone from Wisconsin. But uh, there you go. Really uh, cool place. So there you go. That uh, that does it, I think, for this episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, please remember, uh, subscribe to the show. Click that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. Uh, now that uh, we have officially caught ourselves back up on, uh, on iTunes for all of our back episodes that we were doing exclusively on YouTube, uh, we're trying to get the show out to you approximately three days a week. I know our, our iTunes audience... You were kind of getting spoiled there. You're getting like a show seven days a week. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we had uh, we had that back episodes that we wanted to get you all caught up with. So three days a week, trying to get these out every Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday night. Be watching for uh, for new episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, wherever it may be, on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you are at. Uh, click uh, click subscribe, share the show, give us some, uh, some ratings, some stars. It would be greatly appreciated. And of course... Share your ghost stories with us. Go to realghoststoriesonline.com to write in or give us a call at 855-853-4802. All right. For Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski and Real Ghost Stories Online. Thank you for listening. Until next time, have a good one.